combined 115 points and 1,322 total yards. I was holding out hope we were getting close to the mile mark of offense tonight. We didn't quite get there, about 400 yards short. Even with about five minutes left in the game, I thought it was still attainable with 400 yards short of a mile of offense. BYU bookends the game with 21-point quarters, which was amazing. BYU putting 21 points on the board in the first and the fourth quarter. And BYU ends the game plus three in turnovers without turning the ball over themselves. Just an amazing game. Just crazy things happening throughout the board. But BYU able to hold on, led by Tyler Algier and his 266 yards of offense. I want to point out a really cool scene that happened after the game. Uh, as, as the final seconds ticked, ticked off and uh, Kalani Sataki and Bronco Menahal met at midfield, gave each other a hug. A few words were exchanged of, of congratulations one to the other. And after that handshake, Bronco Menahal was met by multiple players and coaches who all gave him hugs and thanks and congratulations. A nice show of respect to the man in Bronco Menahal who helped set the table for the current success of BYU in the Kalani Sataki era. Kind of a cool thing to watch. Uh, as the game ended and those congratulations were able to be handed out. Fans, remember when BY, when the Cougars win, you win with Papa John's Pizza. Use the online promo code BYU50 at PapaJohns.com this coming Monday and receive 50% off pizza. This offer is good at any Utah location Monday only. Coming up, we'll get you down to the press conference room where Kalani Sataki and players will address the media. Cougar postgame live continues next on the BYU Newskin Sports Network. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the Newskin BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Ben Bagley. Welcome back to the Bill Bar Broadcast booth where BYU wins uh, on a crazy Saturday night moving into Halloween morning on Sunday, 66-49 over Virginia. Let's check a couple of the uh, scores from around the country before we get you down to the interview room. Some top 25 scores of interest. Of course, BYU getting the victory. They'll move up in the polls as there were a couple of upsets in the top 25. San Diego State, they're trailing by 10 right now against Fresno. A minute left in the fourth quarter, 30-20. Fresno up on San Diego State, so it looks like the Aztecs are going to fall. That'll drop them out of the top 25 more than likely. Number one, Georgia remains undefeated. They beat Florida. Cincinnati also remains undefeated in a 31-12 win over Tulane. But some other upsets around the country that's going to help BYU in their positioning in the polls is number five, Ohio State beats 20, Penn State 33-24. Uh, that, that should see BYU move up a little bit there. Ole Miss, 10th ranked in the land. They lost. I don't think they'll slide past BYU, but they just lost 18 Auburn. So you'll see Auburn move up in the polls tomorrow as well when they're released. And one other score that will help BYU, another couple scores actually that will help BYU, is number 17 Pitt falls to the Miami 38-34 at home. And number 19 SMU falls to Houston 44-37. And West Virginia beats number 22 Iowa State 38-31. So you're seeing about five to six different scores in the top 25 that should help BYU 
tomorrow when the new AP poll is released. And as the college football playoff committee begins to meet and discuss the initial rankings, be curious to see with two losses where BYU may slide into those rankings. Just a couple look at like opponents, especially in the Pac-12. Uh, Utah beat UCLA 44-24. to USC still upcoming. Uh, they beat Arizona. Arizona still not a win on the season. Tough to be a Wildcat fan. USC gets the 41-34 win there. And Arizona State and Washington, a battle of BYU Cougar opponents today. Washington State gets the victory 34-21 to uh, in the Pac-12. We'll get you down to the locker room here for some interviews in just a second. Uh, that's coming up next on the Cougar Post Game Live where BYU gets a victory 66-49. to That's coming up next on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Ben Bagley for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Cougar Post Game Live. My name is Ben Bagley, and that's going. Before we wrap things up for Cougar Post Game Live, uh, waiting to see if Kalani Stocky is going to get to the podium to, to address the media. If you don't catch it here, we'll we'll toss over to Greg and Ryan. They'll get you down there. But just kind of a couple of things. What, what I, I laid out all the crazy stats from tonight and all the amazing things that we saw tonight in just a crazy game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium with 115 points being put up on the board and just short of a mile of offense. And that's, sure, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but only about by 400 yards. It was it was really an offensive night, but what was kind of what, – what Kalani Sataki called for at halftime, it took till the fourth quarter to show up, was the BYU defense showing up and getting stops. A couple of things of note, as, as, as much as we want to bemoan the fact that BYU struggled defensively in the first three quarters – they did finish the game plus three in turnovers. That's a compliment to the offense for not turning it over, but also the defense and creating that havoc with the fumble, reco- the fumble recovering the interceptions to be able to make uh, make that happen for, for BYU and really kind of turning the, turning the tide for this game for BYU and putting up the, the shutout in, in the fourth quarter. A couple of things to look forward to now for BYU. We just went over the scoreboard segment. I believe five upsets within uh, striking distance for BYU in the top 25, and that would be upsets in someplace in the range of about 18 to 24 just in front of BYU, which means that when the AP poll comes out tomorrow, you can expect to see BYU right around that 20 ranking. That would put BYU right about 20 in the AP poll. Uh, that's that's a guess and a projection on my part, just guess looking at the poll and just taking a guess on that, which means that puts them in a sweet spot because Tuesday when the first college football playoff poll comes out, now we get to see where the college football playoff committee puts BYU. They've had a great season. They just got their fifth uh, victory over a P5 team of the season. Uh, that's that's really good. You're four against the Pac-12. Things are rolling for BYU. It's a great season thus far. Two losses, one to Baylor, who's ranked. The other one to Boise State, and, and that one stings a little bit right now. But BYU looking good as that initial poll for the college football playoff is to be released later this week. That's going to do it for Cougar Post Game Live. Your final score, BYU 66, UVA 49. The Big O Tires Cougar Locker Room Show is next on the new skin BYU Sports Network.
Welcome back to post-game coverage of BYU football. On the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with the Big O Tires Cougar Locker Room Show. Stop by local Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Let's head live to the Built Bar broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 66-49 is your final score. What this does is set BYU up to be on a four-game win streak going into the Coliseum in late November. And if you just keep winning and enough other teams keep losing, you just might be in the conversation you want to be in. All the things that happened earlier in this month with Boise State and Baylor uh, will clearly be factors in how deeply BYU's into the discussion, but all you can do is win your games and hope for others to lose, and others are losing all around. And, uh, you know, again, if you win two in a row, Washington State and Virginia, you're going to win three in a row, Idaho State, and you're certainly going to go to Georgia Southern and, and win that game. No disrespect, but you have to win that game. Then you have won four in a row, and you're going into USC at 9-2 and two on the year. Let's take a break as we not take a break, but head down to Kalani Sitake. He is at the podium. Well, he'll be talking to the media in seconds from now. He's setting up his mic right now. But, Riley, quick word on that. The bottom line is they're going to do their part and put themselves in a good spot. Yeah, you want other teams that you didn't play or aren't going to play to lose. So you want, you know, Boise to keep winning. You want Baylor to keep winning. You want USC to keep winning. Every team that you've notched a victory against, you want them to keep winning. But everybody around you in the standings, keep losing, get some help. Who knows? USC is still a very relevant brand that you finish the game on a strong winning streak like that against a win against USC in the Coliseum. Who knows what that does in the minds of the voters? Bigger picture, tonight's game is huge, huge in the quest for a double-digit win season. And with seven P5s on the slate, getting the 10 wins in this year would be a significant accomplishment. Right now, they're to 7-2, uh, to and 8-2 uh, and two with Idaho State. You like to think 9-2 and two going into the Coliseum and see what happens there. You'd love to say you're a 10-2 and two team going into the postseason and see and come what may with uh, the rankings at that point. But, uh, again, the, 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 argue, the argument against schedule strength won't be there this year. Uh, for BYU. They did all they could to put themselves in a good spot. But that's well down the line. As for tonight, a night with so many superlatives. We've talked about a few. We'll talk about a few more. Kalani Sitake is at the podium. It doesn't look look like they're quite yet ready to turn them loose with the media. But as soon as he does, uh, we'll hear from Kalani and BYU players. BYU 734 yards in total offense, tied for the sixth most in BYU single-game history. Tyler Algier, his 266 rushing yards, tied for, uh, rather solo, third most in BYU football history. 66 points is tied for eighth most. Kalani now down in the press room. All right, good to go. All right, thanks, Coach, for Recording joining us. in progress. We'll start off with questions from Jared and then John. Kalani, congratulations on the win. Uh, what was the difference? Give up 42 points in the first half, just seven in the second half. What was the difference? Well, the difference was Elias had two young team making adjustments in halftime. And uh, you know, our guys, okay. it, it wasn't so much the scheme adjustments. Just right now? Focus on fundamentals. I mean, well, uh, doing we, the we best to get we. Uh, Scheme-wise, but um, I think. Uh, you know, it started off good, and um, 
It was just a little interesting because at the beginning of the game, there were no TV timeouts. So things are rolling really quickly. And so uh, I think our guys got a little fatigued and started to miss tackles when you get tired. You start to forget your technique. And um, once we were able to kind of gather ourselves, I mean, the second quarter was was really harsh for me to see as, as a coach. And I know everybody was, you know, a little pissed off at that uh, second quarter. But halftime, the guys gained a composure. We talked about adjustments and we talk about utilizing uh, more personnel, more people on the field. That's what we, we do. We can keep our guys fresh and uh, it just happens that our guys made some plays and we were able to get some turnovers in the second half and get a turnover on down on downs and uh, that was a difference for us and our offense uh, stuck to it. We were aggressive. Oh, the game plan, I, I, I love I mean, <clears throat> when our offense get the ball that many times, I think we're going to do pretty good. So. Uh, I thought they took care of the football, and uh, the difference was the turnover and downs and, and um, the turnovers altogether. So, uh, but uh, credit to our players and credit to our coaching staff for making the adjustments on defense and uh, finding ways to, to get this win. I mean, that's the stat line doesn't really look that favorable, but uh, second half I think we can we can play uh, good sound football like we did in the second half. We'll be we'll fine for most of the games. You touched on this, Kalani, but how big was that fumble that Uriah caused and and then recovered, setting up the offense and able to make it a two-score game there early in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, credit to Virginia. They're, they're making a lot of plays. I mean, they, they, they were miss, making us miss tackles and they're uh, trying to keep things balanced. I know they're trying to, uh, you know, they're, they're usually going to throw the ball, but uh, I think they're committed to trying to run the ball a little bit tonight. And... Uh, and we just had to make it really hard for them. I, I think they had, if you look at it in the first half, they had just those big plays and we didn't make it difficult for them. And I, I think uh, it's like one missed tackle and then it was a touchdown. And, um, you know, we got a little aggressive. We played a little man defense and we tried some things and did some pressures and uh, they, they bit us, you know, but uh, I just like our guys being aggressive and trying different things, but also making adjustments and uh, relying on our offense is clicking like that for us to play complimentary football. And, that's what happened in the second half. Kalani, can you, can you touch on uh, Jaron Hall's progression and evolution as a passer? He had career high in passing yards for you guys tonight. It, it just seems like he's getting more and more comfortable with the playbook and, and with reading the defenses. Yeah, I think um, game time, that just that just happens. You know, guys get more comfortable playing the game and more comfortable making adjustments. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to make an excuse for Jaron. He's been banged up. You know, this is when he's fresh and he can go, he, he's, he's a much different player. And, and um, you know, when, when we were in a position where he was banged up and, and Baylor wasn't cleared to go, we, we, we had to protect him a little bit. And um, and then, you know, we relied on on Tyler to make some plays for us. But, uh, our game is going to have to be focused on, on the quarterbacks being able to, to, to make plays for us. And, and um, sometimes it uh, just takes a little bit more experience, a little bit more time for those guys to, to progress. And um, I think, I think A-Rod's an, an amazing coach and, and uh, more time with him and, and getting these young guys more opportunities to play. Uh, I think we can do some really good things. I mean, 66 points isn't, isn't too bad. As he's, as he's gained that experience, what's really stood out about how his command of the offense? I just think timing. Like, it's just he, – he seems to know where to go with the ball. 
uh, no matter what the defense does. And, and defensively, um, Virginia did a lot of different things, you know, and, and uh, try to confuse him. And they brought some pressure also, and um, he made him pay. I, I think you, to have a quarterback that can can see things and and uh, can go through the regression in, 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 in the passing game, uh, that's that's hard to do. And these guys have done it. And I, I feel comfortable with all the quarterbacks doing that, but I'm just I'm happy to see Jaron make that move and, and um, create some space with his legs too. And, and, and through, made, I thought he made good decisions. I, I mean, there's a couple of times where he probably shouldn't have thrown the ball a couple of times, but I mean, he, he we just, we trust him. So uh, just, let's just see what, what happens. I think he's getting better every week. So hopefully we can see him, you know, perform again and, and improve next week. Jay and then Mitch. Hey, Bronco, or I mean, hey, Kalani, when we weren't talking about Bronco coming back, we were wondering if your, your offense could was equipped to get in a shootout with, with their offense. You, you feel like uh, you guys answered that loud and clear tonight? Well, I mean, two defensive coaches don't really like shootouts, right? <laughs> and um, I think the first half wasn't what I wanted. The first quarter, yeah, but uh, the second quarter I didn't like. And it was just big plays on defense that were given up and some mistakes, but uh, I think the offense just had to be ready to have a shootout no matter what, and um, I'm glad they did. You know, um, I just uh, – defensively, we had a lot of guys that were banged up and weren't able to go, and that's just the game. But at the same time, we had to believe in our depth. And, and sometimes, um, I think in the first half, we had guys playing tired when they should have just rested. And second half, uh, we utilized all our personnel. We, we rotated guys in there, kept them fresh, and that made the difference for us. Um, when, you, when you're when you're fresh and you can play, and, and it wasn't really the, the amount of plays; it's just back to back and quick quick scores by our offense. There's not a lot of rest time, and a lot of our guys play special teams, and, and we're not going to rotate on special teams. We need to rotate on defense, and we just had to lean on some second and third stringers, and, and uh, uh, you know, second stringers made, made made some plays. I mean, look at the turnovers that Drew Jensen had. He seems to have a great uh, feel for the passing game and how to defend, and um, you know, all our guys played really well and just. There's mistakes, but it was really one quarter that that uh, I, I really wish we had back. Mitch, go ahead. Kalani, five touchdowns for for Tyler Algier. What what makes him such a special player for you guys? He's just he's tough, man, and and uh, he has a lot of speed. I think people misunderstand that they don't really realize that he's a big body, but he can run, he, he can fly. So that's, that's dangerous when you get to the next level. And uh, he broke some tackles tonight and, and, and played hard and he's a little sore. I, I said this before that um, we're going to need him to do that, you know, and, and, um, uh, and I think, I think we have to be smart with him, but he's willing to, to, to dish out the punishment and find ways. And uh, it's just a matter of time before he finds an opening and then he finds a crease and turns it into a big, big play. You mentioned Drew Jensen, uh, Drew, uh, Alden Tofa, John Nelson, some guys that maybe are lesser known on this defense making big plays in the fourth quarter. How, how satisfying was that to see them rise the occasion and, and take on that, that role in that spot? It was great. I, I thought, um, and, that, and that's, that was the adjustment really. We, we had a great game plan. We just, cannot play tired. And, and when you're going against Temple, we just need to rotate guys and, and we need to trust those guys to play. I mean, 
they made plays tonight, you know, so we, we talk about our depth and uh, I, I know guys want to play as many plays as they can, but I think it's important for them to trust the backups and, um, you know, to, to let them get in there and make plays. I, I was, I'm really proud of our guys and, and their belief in each other and their buy into what uh, on defense, what Elisha Tuyaki was asking them to do. And then on offense, what A-Rod was doing and, and obviously special teams with, with what Ed does there. So I, uh, I have great coaches. They did a great job tonight. They performed well. And, but, you know, we, we, we're going to work on some things and get better, but just really relishing the win right now. And we'll, we'll learn and get better next week. Jared and then Ron. Kalani, what was your interaction like with Bronco and with the, the former BYU guys, your friends, some of these guys that you've known? What was that like before and after the game? Really good. I mean, uh, Bronco was awesome um, before and after the game. And um, he, I know he has a lot of love and appreciation for this place. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy that, that the fans showed him the love and the, and the warm um, welcome that he deserves. And it's really proud of our fans. And that, I know it meant a lot to him. Uh, it meant a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to, to that staff. You know, those guys were, were welcomed. And, and it, was, it was a great game. Uh, I mean, Defensive coaches don't really like this game, but it felt like an old school BYU type of game. And, um, you know, that's <laughs> I, I'm just trying to make sure that we play at our best and that uh, this, these type of explosiveness in, in, a, in the second quarter, I think that was where we gave up tons of points. Um, doesn't happen again, but I don't want it to overshadow the, the fact how happy I am, how they how well they played the second half, how they bounced back and. Also, the, how consistent and, and really nice the, the way the, the offense was working. I, I was really pleased with that. So, um, you know, just felt really good. We, we, we can win a lot of games if we do that. Well, and al along those lines, I wanted to ask about big picture, seven and two at this point, heading at the end of October. You have been dinged up and your depth has come through strong and you've been able to, to win seven games. What's it like to have the program at the point where you're able to rely on that like you have this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we're really happy with the depth, but I, 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 I don't want to keep testing it. You know, I think the depth is good, and, and let's just keep uh, getting better, but also getting some guys back. And um, but, but just these guys believe in each other, man. They work hard for each other, and, and uh, yeah, just, I just I feel like we're developing really, really well as a program overall, and um, we just keep focusing on 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 all the little details. All that stuff adds up and, and will allow us to, to take bigger steps towards what we want to accomplish. And um, culturally, I'm really proud of our team. I, I love the players leading this group and, and um, the buy-in. So we'll just keep working and try to keep things positive and, and uh, learn as much as we can. I think feedback and criticism is really good for our guys, but uh, only if we learn from it. Okay, we'll do last two quick questions from Ron and then Ben. Kalani, usually we see Gunner um, and Puka as the deep threat tonight. Tonight we saw Samson get involved in the action a lot. What can you speak on about how big of a role he's played um, and how well he's been able to impact the offense since coming over from Utah? Well, Sam, Samson's, first of all, he's been a deep threat for us. He just hasn't been completely healthy. And this week he's been healthy. So, 
Uh, you know, he's been banged up and you just never can tell from him, from him because his, his appearance and his excitement, his energy is just, is it's, I don't know if anyone can match that, but it's, it's amazing. But, um, he's been banged up and, 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 uh, when he's healthy and ready to go and, and, and can play every down and, and start like he did tonight, man, he's dangerous. He's been doing that for years. And so it's good to see him get out there and play, but the energy, what I appreciate the most from him is the energy and the excitement that he has for his teammates when they make plays, um, regardless of which phase, it doesn't matter. Offense, defense, special teams. Uh, that guy burns a lot of calories because he's all over the place. He's talking to special teams. He's talking to the juice crew. He's talking to everyone. And, um, you know, we need, we need to bottle up that energy because it's it's amazing. But that guy has playmaking ability that matches his energy, and so it was nice to see those guys get out and play. Gunner, it was just a we thought Gunner was going to go, but I, I think we we decided to be safe and and, and make sure that he's got a, a bright future in football. We just need to make sure that that we don't um, put him in in harm's way. And so I, and we felt good. I mean, Keanu made some plays down downfield too, and. Uh, you know, we, we had a lot of guys. I, I think Chris Jackson was ready to make some plays happen. He, un, unfortunately, he had a, a targeting call on him. And, and um, you know, but, but the guys, we feel deep in a lot of different positions. Um, that receiver position has, has been really, really good for us. And um, they have a really good coach, too. Kalani, I know you touched on it briefly, um, but I, I was wondering if you could get into more specifics. It seemed like in the first half, a lot of 40 front. Second half, we saw a little bit more 30 front. I believe the two turnovers, both the forced fumble and uh, Drew, Jensen, INT, were both 30 front, drop eight. And then the turnover on downs was also drop eight. Could you speak to uh, some of those specifics and in, in what happened in the second half? Yeah, uh, we, we weren't getting enough eyes on on, uh, on the quarterback and uh you know, credit to Robert and I and, and, and the offense. They, they were doing some things that really make it difficult for man coverage. We thought we could match up man-to-man -man with them, and, and it worked early. And then when the guys got fatigued, uh, they're covering forever, you know, so the, they were getting a little tired, and, and they're missing tackles. Um, they were there. Uh, coverage was breaking down, and then um, Armstrong was breaking, breaking the pocket and taking off. And when you're in man, you're basically covering your guy. You don't really see um, – you don't really see what's going on when the quarterback breaks the pocket. So you're, you're susceptible to big plays. Uh, we thought it would be okay if we can kind of match it and play better, but then they, they, those big plays turn into big touchdowns. I mean, we had a, a pressure that was a zero pressure that they broke a tackle and scored a touchdown on. So um, drop eight won the game for us. And that was Eli Satuyaki's idea. Uh, that wasn't really the game plan, but we were going to mix in some man drop eight. He did that in the second half and, Held them seven points, a really, really explosive offense of seven points. I think people need to respect him a little bit more now. Thanks. Okay, thanks, guys. Itake, Peyton Wilgar next as we continue on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You are listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. Running to the right side and right into scoring territory. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 66, Virginia 49, our final. BYU linebacker Peyton Wilgar in the Zoom room. Keep going and just, you know, limit, try to limit mistakes and just keep having fun and keep the energy. Yeah. 
Other questions for Peyton? Jared, go ahead. Peyton, the defense has had to, you know, win a lot of the games, you know, close games, low scoring games, keep teams under 20. That's how you guys have won a lot of games this year. How, how nice was it this time when you guys, you know, went, had a, had a stretch there where the other team was scoring a lot that the offense had your back and, and was able to, you know, that complimentary football you guys always talk about. Yeah. You know, that's the beauty of the sport. You know, when, when the defense is struggling, the offense got our back and, and vice versa, you know, so it's awesome to have an offense that can, can put up points like they did, you know, it makes it a lot easier on the defense to kind of just relax and be like, okay, offense got us. Let's just go out and do our thing now. Kind of big picture. You guys have been dinged up and you've played, you know, seven, you know, you've, you've got seven wins in nine games in, you know, nine straight weeks. What's it like to, to have seen success even with, you know, having guys go down and have to rely on depth and, and everything you guys have, have had to do this year? I mean, it's awesome, you know, to have that next man up philosophy to where, you know, whoever goes down, there's there's a guy behind him ready to go and, and to pick up the slack and, you know, uh, have no drop off. So it's awesome. You know, obviously we don't want to get to that point where we have to, you know, go into our depth, but you know, it's, if we need to, we got guys that can step up and play. So that's, that's really awesome. Okay. Last question for Peyton before we wrap up. Awesome. Thanks Peyton. Congrats on the win. <laughs> All right, that's a Peyton Wilgar, Jaron Hall, BYU quarterback. We'll be sitting down next. We'll hear from him next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU quarterback Jaron Hall, part of BYU's big night, 66-49 win over UVA, down to Jaron taking questions in our Zoom press conference. It's 266 yards, career high, five touchdowns. He's he's just been a workhorse for you guys over the last few games. How, how what's it like just watching him drag down tacklers, bust through holes like he does? crazy man <clears throat> see you don't see that often in college football the way the way he runs and the way he finishes runs um very few guys you know do that every year you see and those are guys that i'm doing a lot at the next level so that's that's the kind of dude tyler is and and you know he's de his development over four years has been insane and i'm just happy to be here to to see him to see him do that and now to play behind him and with him it's it makes everything else in the offense so much smoother when him and the old line do their thing so it's fun so mitch and then matt <clears throat> Aaron, what were your feelings and, and the team's feelings, for that matter, after that 21-0 uh, lead just evaporated? What was maybe the, uh, the the feelings amongst the team? It was expected. You know, we knew, again, knew they're a good offense. We'd have to keep rolling, and that's what we did. So, you know, they got up, scored a couple touchdowns. They got the lead back, but it didn't, didn't deflate us at all. We just kept rolling, kept doing our thing and moving the ball. What changed maybe this week's game plan for the offense uh, compared to – um, you know, previous weeks, because this this output uh, is far, far, it's kind of an outlier compared to what you guys have had to this point in the season. Yeah, we just executed better. Same game plan, nothing's changed. <clears throat> you know, if you watch the film, same play, same guys. Uh, we just we just didn't hurt ourselves, you know, especially midfield after we moved the ball in the past. We've made a lot of silly mistakes, killed ourselves, and tonight it didn't do that. You know, we just put together a full game offensively and defensively, um, special teams, and, and that's the outcome. 
aspect of the offensive performance in over 700 yards of total offense was the most impressive from your perspective? Um, I think someone said we had uh, 30-some first downs, something like that. So just the ability to move the ball, um, to convert on third downs and to keep the drives going, um, you know, first downs, getting gains and getting positive gains. Um, I just feel like everything was flowing. So I don't know if there's one thing in particular, you know, a night like tonight, but uh, for for sure, just the ability to stay on the field, <clears throat> which we haven't done great in the past. And and what's impressed you about uh, Puka Nakua's performance over the last couple of weeks? Eight receptions, over 100 yards. How has he developed this season? Yeah, I mean, everyone knows Puka knew he's a guy um, coming in. So we're just thankful to have him and Sam to join us, join Gunner and, and Neil out there and our, our tight ends. Um, I mean, Puka just gets better every week, as do all our guys. And so it's nice to have a threat out there down the field, a guy who can take handoffs and run around the edge. And, and for us, we got four four wideouts that can do all that. Jay and then Ben. Jaren, some people said you guys couldn't afford to get in a shootout with them. How gratifying is it for you? You went toe-to-toe with basically one of the best quarterbacks in the country, at least in the statistical categories. How, how gratifying was it for you personally? Uh, that quarterbacks are stud, man. All respect and love for that kid, man. He played hard and he did his thing. <clears throat> so I hope he's doing okay after the game health-wise. But, hey, man, we bet on ourselves, you know, at the end of the day. comes down to it. <clears throat> the guys in the building every week, the guys on our team and our coaching staff, you know, we're, we're, we know we're capable of. And I think we did a good job showing that tonight. Jared, I've brought this up before, but I, I, I think um... – I think this is essentially your your eighth full game of being a collegiate football player quarterback. Um, it, it, you know, I know you've been in the program for a while, but eight full games. What have you learned specifically about the last four games, though, about your game that has kind of helped you progress? Yeah, I mean, to be an efficient quarterback, <clears throat> just give the ball to your playmakers. You know, don't do too much. Take what the defense gives you. That's something we harp on a lot. Take your shots when they're there. And so for me, with the, the studs we have, a wide receiver, a tight end, and, and especially running back with Peeney and with Tyler, um, you know, just get them the ball in space, just like tonight, let them go do the work. Keep it simple. Do you feel, do you feel like the playbook gradually, as you've gotten healthier, has, uh, has opened up a little bit more uh, from, from Aaron Roderick's standpoint with your health increasing? Yeah, no, I'm healthy. So, you know, I think the playbook is as open as it ever will be. And it's been the case for a couple of weeks. Um, so I don't think that's ever been a concern or a worry for us. Um, you know, if, if I'm out there, whoever's out there, you know, you got to be able to play the, the game you need to play to win at the end of the day or else you shouldn't play, you know. So playbook's always open. A-Rod's an absolute genius when it comes to calm plays, and he has a great feel for the game. Um, so I, I love him and, and love playing behind him and, and following him. Thanks, Jaren. We'll come back here from Puka Nakua as we continue on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Big O Tires Cougar Locker Room Show continues. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires for the lowest price on every tire, plus no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. In this Cougar Locker Room Show segment, Puka Nakua and Tyler Algier. Puka's up now. Do the best we could. And man, that guy, that guy Tyler Algier, man, having another day and appreciate our old line. Always, I mean, those boys make it easy for us. They're, they're getting us easy out there on the jet plays and then on our run plays. I, I think 
it's another game where we finished uh, the game in four minute offense and our O line just continues to dominate all four quarters. And Tyler, he, <laughs> I mean, the, the stats, the stats say it for itself. I mean, everybody was, it, it was super fun on offense. <laughs> John, yeah, Puka, I've, I've watched you for a while, and I don't think I've ever not seen you hyped for yourself and your own performance and playmaking and everything. Uh, but tonight it looked almost like you were more hyped because of the way your brother was going off. Just how cool was that watching Samson just, just go crazy like maybe you thought he could? I, I know. Uh, it's, it's the greatest blessing that's ever happened to me, honestly, to have my – to have my older brother out there on the field with me and to see him go out and do the things that I know he's capable of. Um, I couldn't be more proud of him as a little brother. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I'm better than him, but man, he, he, he showed up today and had a great game and everybody, it was our Kibo out there. Our, our entire receiver group was ready to go. And man, to watch Samson do what he does, uh, <laughs> there's no greater feeling than that. That's for sure. <laughs> Luca, um, tell us a little bit about the development of, of, of chemistry between you and, and Jaron over the last few weeks. It seems like you guys are on point um, all game consistently. Could you just break down some of that, uh, that chemistry you guys have developed? Um, he, he always puts it in the money. He's put it in the spot for me to make plays. And it's been fun because I, I always think about we had another take post where – um, I'm running down the middle of the field, maybe got yanked from behind or something, but uh, it's almost the same exact look that we got in the Utah game. And that's the one that I always replay in my head whenever I'm running down the field, like it kind of pops in my head for a split second. I'm like, man, I missed that one. So I owe him this. I got, I got to do everything I can to come down with that ball. And he always makes it easy of hitting us in stride. And the connection has just grown more and more as we get more reps and feeling good, getting our groove on offense. And <laughs> that guy, uh, he, he makes it fun for sure. And, and one last thing, I remember, I can't remember if it was 2019, you weren't a part of the BYU football program, but I think you attended a BYU game. I don't know if you remember that, but, um, you know, looking back at what you were thinking about then and where you're at now, um, you know, did you think it could ever be this good? I mean, you're just coming off a, a career performance, a really good performance, man. Yeah, um, honestly, it, it's a, it's like, happy ever after like far far away <laughs> it's the ones that they have in the movies and they write about in the books of being able to come back to my hometown right where i grew up i, I grew up right next to kiwanis park uh on in the tree street so i've been in byu's backyard for a long time and it's been such a great feeling to come back home to these great fans and to be a part of this team and this brotherhood and for the guys to come and accept me and my brother and for us to have the energy and the confidence to go out there every week um it's it, it's it's been a huge blessing i can't say that enough <laughs> We'll do last question from Jared. Okay, you guys talk about complimentary football all the time. And a lot of games this year, you guys have really had to rely on the defense. You've played some good defenses and you've you've kind of relied on the defense maybe to carry the load and keep the other team scoring down. How nice was it to have a game where the offense said, Hey, we got this? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's exactly pretty much how it was. It's like we got you boys. I mean, that's uh, to see that I think I mentioned it earlier, but for our defense to be able to rally back after Virginia, we know that they're one of the best offenses in the country of put, making I mean, they showed they had big plays, they had explosive plays, but when it came down to our defense we were able to get those stops, but man, it was fun on offense of knowing that we had such a rhythm and flow as no matter what they were do, as soon as if they made a big play, we got to stop on third down, it was back up and the 
every time we step on the field, it was go out and get a touchdown. That's what we need. We needed points on the board every time we get on the field. So super proud of my boys on offense and then super grateful for those guys on defense. You've also experienced, you know, Washington football and the depth that, that they had at Washington and now the depth that you guys are having to rely on this year. How gratifying is it to be 7-2 and two, considering the youth, considering the injuries, considering everything the team's gone through, and yet here you are sitting with seven wins after nine games heading into November? Uh, yeah, it's super fun. It's been, it's been a great experience with these guys, but – one thing that Coach Kalani always says is the way to overcome our challenges is with energy and effort. And that's what I see the boys putting out every day. And, and that was one that I thought came out today. It was huge. It was energy and effort. That's what we needed. Uh, we got up 21-0. And, and, man, it felt good to be out there. And then Virginia had their little run. And energy and effort is what got us overcame. Is everybody staying positive, knowing that what our assignment is. And then all our efforts. We came into halftime, made the judgments we needed. And we came out with the devil. It was a fun one to be a part of. I hope this, this one for sure will go down in the history books for us. Thanks, Puka. Yep, see you. Go Cougs, baby. All right. That is, uh, that is uh, Puka Nakua. We are told that uh, Tyler Algier will be next at the podium. And if all goes well with our postgame planning, we will be able to hear from Samson Nakua after Tyler Algier. Uh, Samson and Puka Nakua each had 107 yards receiving tonight to Puka Eight catches for 107 and a score. Samson, three catches for 107 and a score on this night where superlatives were uh, sprinkled throughout uh, the roster. Tyler Algier, 29 carries, 266 yards, and five rushing touchdowns. His five rushing touchdowns gave him 16 on the year. And again, that is tied for third all-time in the BYU single-season annals. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Hopefully not miss too much of Tyler Algier as we continue on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller Auto, conveniently located in Provo, Linden, and Orem. Larry H. Miller Auto, driven by you. Also by Economics Partners, a premier national business valuation firm. Learn more at econpartners.com. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Kalani coming up. First up, Tyler Algier in the BYU Zoom Room. Tyler, you had 74 rushing yards in the first half, um, and then you finished with 266, so you went for 192 in the second half. What did you feel like changing from the first half to the second half when things really started to open up on the run game? Uh, yeah, really just keeping them honest. You know, we ran, a, we ran a lot of passes, a lot of runs, and, you know, just keeping them honest, you know, not stacking the box when we want to run. And then uh, when they stack the bus, you know, we'll pass it. So, you know, literally just keeping them honest and um, literally opened a lot of things up. Okay, we'll do the last question from Sean. Tyler, I feel like I should ask you about one of your five touchdowns, but I want to ask you about a defensive play. How big was Lopa's fumble there that kind of preceded that, that last one? Where, how, how big was Lopa's – yeah, that was the final turnover. Um, yeah, Delsa yeah. How how big was that that fumble that uh, led to your your last touchdown? I guess literally so so big time, big time. You know that you know they they had a really good offense. You know they were literally moving down the field so many times, especially. But I think they only stopped. They only scored once in the second half. No, how many times did he score in the second half? I know it, it cut tremendously. 
between the first half and the second half. So literally just them, the defense just making their changes, you know, doing their thing, really came in clutch, really came in clutch and let the offense have a lot of time on their hands. And we got the ball back. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you. A couple minutes there with uh, Tyler Algier. Uh, we're going to hang tight here and see if we can't get to Samson Nakua on the headset for a second. Uh, if not, we'll wrap it up and get ready for Kalani Sitake. But there's a chance we're going to be, uh, be able to chat with Samson on the headset and then uh, get into head coach Kalani Sitake. Let's pause 10 seconds in the meantime for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU-FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. Okay, if and as soon as we get uh, Samson Nakua on the headset, we will pop him on the air, and then uh, Kalani will be after that, presuming we get Samson. And then once we get into Cougar Nation now, we have a few minutes with Bronco Mendenhall, and you will hear the entirety of his postgame comments a little later on in our postgame coverage. So, Riley, I haven't heard from you in a little while uh, since the game ended, and um, you've been able to hear what the coaches and players have been saying to this point. Thoughts if you let this all kind of sink in tonight? I wonder if they're really – the lack of surprise to which they profess about putting up 66 points and over 700 yards, this from a team that the high coming in was 35 points and the average was 26, mm-hmm. Greg? Yeah, and the average point total was 26. So to outkick your season average by 40 points and everybody's like – yeah, it's what we had to do. It's what we expected to do. <laughs> Seems a little bit disingenuous, but no, that's probably what makes this team so special is that self-belief and their level of preparation and the way that the, the staff and, uh, and players approach their business, regardless of whether or not they're being truthful about how uh, much they expected this outcome. Uh, th- they came out and did it, and uh, it was sure as heck entertaining to watch. I learned something new about this team uh, today, and it's exciting that you know we've got three more regular season and a post game and a postseason game left to watch them let's go down to uh the cougar locker room area samson nakua is on the headset the nakua the brothers each went for a buck 07 tonight puka eight for 107 and a score samson three for 107 and a score and samson nakua is joining us greg grubel and riley nelson up here in the broadcast booth samson good to have you on congratulations man what's happening it's a great night to be a cougar and i'm feeling good <laughs> yeah what a, i mean i when people ask you about the virginia game what's what's the first thing you're going to say a shootout a dog fight um it was an offensive game for sure and uh BYU Cougars came out to show that we are the better offense. <laughs> you guys go up 21 nothing, and I tried to say on the air, okay, 21 nothing feels pretty good, but this is a, a quick strike, comeback team, no leads too large, and boom, before you know it, it is a true shootout. Uh, you really, it was one of those games where you just had, had to keep pace, right? Uh, yes, it was, and uh, we knew it was. Um, even going up 21-0, we knew that Virginia was still the first quarter when we up, when we got up 21-0. And we knew Virginia was a very uh, productive offense and that they would come down to score, and uh, that's exactly what we did. But we knew we could compete with them and uh, stay with them and score every time we touch the ball too. Samson, did you you prepped it? Tim you right? Or, yeah. Yeah, okay. So T Birds baby. And, and your little bro was at was at Orem, right? Yeah. All sadly. right. So you guys both went over a hundred tonight. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. So that didn't that never happened in high school then? No, not not together at least. I don't think I've ever even gone over a hundred in my whole career. I'm not even sure honestly, but 
I had to catch up to Puka. Puka's been killing it this season, so I had to do something. Yeah, and you look, you had the same amount of yards, but you only did it on three catches. So, you know, he's a volume guy. You're a big play guy. So yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> but, hey, uh, talk about the matchup against uh, these Virginia DBs and uh, what you – what you were able to kind of identify coming into the game plan and that eventually led to some success tonight? Um, we knew they were going to be uh, aggressive. Um, they were a big group, uh, tall corners, honestly, very physical, and uh, we knew it was going to be a dogfight, but we knew um, from watching films that we could make big, big plays on these guys. Uh, we saw that they weren't very good when the ball was in the air. They couldn't really track the ball and make a play on the ball, so coach wanted to take shots at them, um, and that's exactly what we did. Um, anything little that they would give us, they would back off, we would take the under routes, but we knew that we could beat them in the air, so uh, coach called the perfect plays, and then we just made it happen. I want to shout out my stats intern, Sam, who said this was your first career collegiate 100-yard game through the air tonight. Right, let's go. Hey, <laughs> and I'm so proud I'm a Cougar for it too, baby. Let's do it. I love it. So normally when a team passes for about 350, you figure, well, it was a pass game. Uh, but no, BYU ran for 385 on top of the 349 uh, through the air. Goodness. 734 yards of offense. You're the only team in FBS this year to go 700 on a P5 opponent. That's beautiful. That's just textbook work. Um, it all starts with uh, in the trenches. Uh, O-line and D-line, they did their job. And uh, they sacrificed the most, more than anyone ever knows, and they don't get enough credit. And every day I... Uh, before practices, even before the games, I try to go and tell them and let them know that they set the tone. Um, it all starts with them, and, and then we follow right behind them. And for them to come out and ball and uh, do what they did to, to help Tyler, just amazing. And I'm so proud to be with these guys. Well, you know, part of me wanted Tyler to break the single-game rushing record tonight. <laughs> He was 20 yards shy of Jamal when he left out. But I guess he had to end his night at some point. No. Right? He, had, he had to come off at some point. They right? should have never. I kept telling them, <laughs> give him the ball. They said five touchdowns. I said, give him six. But, though, no, they no, one, no one's ever had six, you know, at BYU. Five's <laughs> hey, the record. There's a first for everything. Ty should have been it. They, <laughs> man, next time, next time. <laughs> no, it's all good. His rec is uh, 266, his third all time in BYU's single game football history. So many big numbers tonight. And it's and Riley was just talking about this, Sam. It sounds like you guys were kind of like, yeah, if we have to do it, we can score We can score 66. And you guys went out and did something like that tonight. Exactly. Um, Coach A-Rod says it all the time. Um, if we need to run the ball, we can run the ball. If we need to pass the ball, we can pass the ball. If we need to waste time, we can waste time. If we need to score in two seconds, we'll score in two seconds. And um, tonight it really showed that we could do anything. We're a very versatile team. And um, we're just it – was, it was a beautiful night for the offense. So uh, Kalani always talks about how you guys truly have, as an offensive, defense, and a special team unit, you, everybody truly has each other's back. So when Virginia ripped off 35 points in the second quarter, what was what was the mood at halftime? How do you guys really, you know, how are you really that cohesive? Uh, is it is it just a inherent trust one with another, or is it are you talking back and forth? How is it that you guys? consistently game after game have each other's backs man this is backyard football for us uh, we've been doing this stuff since little kids and um now we just get to do it together and uh, we're a little bit smarter and a little bit tougher now and uh honestly i totally forgot the question i'm not even gonna lie i totally <laughs> forgot what's about to go with this <laughs> sorry man it's 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 108 it's been a long day and that was a dog fight of a game you know idaho state coming up next and um 
Anyway, well, uh, you had a great night tonight, and uh, congratulations. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, I love Cougar Nation. You guys are the best. Samson, thank you. Have a great night. You too. Okay, that's Samson Nakua. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll come back when we do. We hope to have Kalani Sitake on the headset, and we'll do one nice long segment with Kalani as the Larry H. Miller Cougar Postgame Coaches Show rolls on. It is brought to you by Larry H. Miller Auto, conveniently located in Provo, Linden, and Orem, Larry H. Miller Auto. Driven by you. Kalani coming up on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. You'll hear from Bronco Mendenhall uh, in the next segment of the program. But currently, it is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake joining us on the Larry H. Miller Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. BYU 66-49, the final over Virginia. Crazy night in which uh, there was, uh, there were at halftime, 80 points and over 800 yards of offense had been uh, had been put up in the first 30 minutes, and then things slowed down just a little bit in the second half, but still ends up with 115 points on the night. Kalani Sitake, uh, one of the crazier games you've ever been a part of, I am sure. Yeah, it felt like old school BYU a little bit, and um, uh, if 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 I could redo anything from the night, would be the second quarter uh, defensively. But other than that, I thought the guys played really well, and, and I loved the, how they bounced back. Uh, it, it was good, tight game, um, really explosive offense that we went against, and you know I, I'm just so thankful that we got the win and we were able to do some really good things. I I just, I just think it tested us a little bit, and and. Uh, you know, really excited we got the win. I, I felt like we had more energy in the second half, too, as a team. And um, and, th- and then we got the energy from the fans, too. That that was a lot of fun, though. Most points ever scored against a Bronco Mendenhall coach team, 66 tonight. Now, Virginia has scored 48 two weeks ago, 49, 48 last week, and then 49 tonight. So in a lot of ways, they did what they'd been doing. But you scored almost twice your highest point total to this point. Did you and did you feel confident this kind of game was in you if you needed to trot it out tonight? Well, I knew that A-Rod felt good about the matchup, and, and we usually feel good about our offense, and I think we've had some opportunities this year where, where people were playing a little keep away from us, you know, and, and um, we knew that wasn't going to be the case tonight. We knew that we were going to get uh, a lot of possessions, and I thought they, they you know, for the be- beginning of the game was awesome, you know, and, and um, credit to Virginia. They, they came back in the second quarter and, man, made some explosive plays, but they were all – big plays they weren't like long drives that we normally would make people earn and and uh, a lot of it was just technique issues that we had and, and uh, fatigue and so uh, I thought the guys were able to re- gather themselves and we said we we're going to test uh, our depth a little bit and keep our guys fresh in the second half and, and I thought Elisa made some great adjustments with with Ed Lamb and Preston Hadley and General Guilford and Kevin Clune. those guys did a great job in the second half holding that explosive team to seven points and also generating some turnovers. So, Coach, uh, you mentioned A-Rod was confident. Was and, and be honest with me on this one. I said this week that I felt really good coming to this matchup because when you were at Utah and A-Rod was with you, your, A-Rod as part of that offense and you as part of that defense had pretty darn good success against uh, a, you know, a Bronco Mendenhall defense and a Robert and I offense. Is that part of what gave A-Rod and, and you guys some a lot of confidence coming into this game? Is that familiarity as a staff? It did, but they're a little different. You you see the offense. You played under the same scheme, right? And so I, I played under uh, the same scheme. 
Um, but but uh, Robert and I done some great things. I mean, I, I think he and, and, and that coaching staff did a great thing, a job of utilizing personnel different places and, and receivers running the ball, tight ends. I mean, they just had guys spread all over the place. They went empty quite a bit. Motion guys in the backfield. I thought they spread the ball out really well. Um, the problem that came down to was just our tackling and, and um, uh, not, not keeping the quarterback in the pocket uh, in that second quarter. And so we felt like we needed more eyes on and. At the beginning, though, Riley, it felt like, okay, this is really good for us. Um, and we had to kind of um, gather ourselves and, and kind of evaluate what happened in that second quarter. And a lot of it was fatigue. I mean, we had we played man coverage uh, the whole first quarter we did, and the second quarter we did as well. And and guys weren't making tackles. They weren't, and we weren't. Uh, you know, when a quarter you play the, you play the game. So when a quarterback sees man coverage, and he breaks contain, that thing's out the gate for a long time. I mean. Um, Jaron did that to some some teams this year. They did it to ASU, did it to Utah. And so um, Armstrong did the same thing to us. And we felt like we had to change some things up in the second half because we weren't able to stay fresh. We were down some corners and, and safeties. I mean, we were down three strong safeties tonight and down, uh, obviously, Keenan Ellis hasn't played since the Arizona game. So we were down guys and even guys got banged up um, in this game. So we had to rally back and, and figure out some different things. And and then we also just had to trust some of the guys that were third stringers to play. Uh, Shaman Willis came in and played and did some good things. And other guys stepped up, and, and we did that D-line-wise. Drew, Drew Jensen made a play. Um, but we started utilizing more personnel and keeping our guys fresh, and that get that got the sideline more gen, uh, generated more excitement and energy on the sideline. Chatting with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. BYU goes to 7-2 and two on the year, a uh, fifth P5 win uh, for BYU this year coming tonight against UVA, bringing us to our valuable stat of the game, brought to you by Economics Partners. Whether for tax, financial reporting, or strategic purposes, when your business needs a valuation, the right partner is Economics Partners. Learn more at econpartners.com, and where you can look to so many different crazy, wild, high numbers in this game. I'm going to go to the takeaway number. Uh, three, plus three. Kalani, no giveaways again. Another perfect day in terms of giveaways. They were There were none, and you took it away three times. And when Virginia's scoring on almost every possession, when they end drives with uh, with, with, with BYU takeaways, that's a pretty big number tonight. Yeah, and, and we, we felt like we could get some, we could steal some throws uh, uh, from quarterbacks. And, um, and we thought that we could generate some good tight man coverage. So we did a lot of things. We changed some things up in the second half, but I really believe the first the first quarter was a really really good game plan as well. Um, we just got to keep guys fresh and keep keep our, utilizing our depth and trust our second sometimes third string guys. They they practice and get many reps and uh, but you know I was really happy with what we were able to generate defensively. I think we got a fourth down stop as well, which is a turnover. And then offensively, I, I just liked our guys taking care of the football. I, I thought. Um, Tyler, the the punishing way that he that he plays and runs the ball, uh, you know, just to take care of the football. I I saw a couple times where the guys didn't have great ball security, so I'm going to obviously criticize that and, and make sure that we do better. But for the most part, they've been on top of it all season long. Coach, can you tell us the story of how Tyler Algier, who when he entered the program was a linebacker, how was he identified as a guy? and then obviously made it to the premier and honestly he's climbing up the charts as one of the best backs in BYU history but he came in as a linebacker what did that process look out about identifying him and switching him over Elisa Tuyaki was out recruiting watching another kid and kept seeing a Tyler and recognizing him and 
how big he was and how violent he ran the ball. And um, so E kind of checked on him. He had a D2 offer and um, had tons of yards. And so Elisa worked the recruiting, and he and Ed Lamb took over the recruiting. We saw someone that could develop into into something special um, with with what he, how he ran the ball. Now, when he got here, um, didn't really get a look at running back, and so we we moved him to linebacker. And obviously, he had tons of speed, can make plays. We had some injuries, and his first love is running back. So he, we moved back there in 2019, and the rest is history. You know, we, it, it's kind of the same thing. We like linebackers that can run the ball. Obviously, Baylor's doing the same thing too. Uh, a lot of guys are doing it, and and um, uh, you know, we did that with. Remember with Matt Hadley, he played yep. running back. I mean, if you look at it, a lot of linebackers could could transfer over to play running back, and it just happens that um, Tyler could 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 run, and he's got tons of speed. I mean, I remember recruiting Lopini, thinking that he could play safety for me, or a rover backer, and and he's our running back. I mean, same thing with McChesney and all the guys that they, they, those guys can play defense, and it's good to have versatile guys. I mean, um, you know. I I played offense because I had great hands. That's the only difference. Otherwise, I'd be playing defense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I don't brag about myself. No, that's often. not a brag, coach. That's everybody the only knows. Thing look, I had. look, they you have receipts on that. You don't have to apologize <laughs> for letting everybody know. It's, it's getting late. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, look, a simple YouTube, and, and everybody will know what you said is right. Nobody can dispute that. You should be proud of that, man. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Greg. He's got sideline hands to this that day, too. as we've seen this year too. <laughs> uh, so no Gunner Romney. So you still have Neil Pau with a touchdown catch, Samson Nakua with a touchdown catch, Puka Nakua with a touchdown catch, and the two uh, the two Nakua brothers each go for a buck oh seven, 107 yards. I'm not sure how many Division One FBS teams are going to have brothers on the field, each with century mark nights as receivers. That's crazy. Uh, big time playmaking ability, and those guys can run the ball too. They can break tackles. Big targets. Um, I just I, I love both the energy. I think they bring so much to the, to our team and our program. It's it's a pleasure to coach them. And and I mean we saw guys that stepped up and and you know Chris Jackson was going to have some opportunities until that targeting call. Um, Keanu Hill and the the decision to hold Gunner. I, he wanted to play, but I think just being smart with him and his health it was was the right move for us. And obviously you got to see some other guys step up. But Samson earned the the, the start. Uh, regardless, he's he's playing really well right now, and um, you know we just have a lot of guys that can play there, and we we feel good about our depth, especially at receiver. Uh, Tyler Algiers night tonight, uh, Kalani twenty yards shy of Jamal Williams' single game rushing record tonight. Which game did Jamal do that in? Is it Toledo? It was the uh, it was the Toledo game. Yeah, yeah. Dang it. That's all right. Jamal, Jamal's got to hang on to something here. Yeah, yeah. No. Hey, Coach, Greg and I were talking about this on air a, a little bit. So next week, Idaho State, obviously. Tyler, I think he maybe caught a helmet to the thigh there a little bit. He's he's obviously going to be fine. But you want to keep him, you know, a little bit lubricated up, keep some of the stats flowing against Idaho State. So come out, give him a decent half of work, and then maybe rest him. What's the? How do you handle your, your guy, a guy like that who's taken such volume in the last two weeks against, you know, let, Obviously, you respect all opponents, but Idaho State should be one where he, you could uh, use them sparingly if needed. Well, the the goal is to, to perform at our best against Idaho State, knowing that we have a bye afterwards. So I expect these guys to empty the tank in this Idaho State game, uh, knowing that they're going to have another week to recover. Um, he, he has something he needs to work on, too. Obviously, he dropped a, an easy play. That would have been a, yeah. a, a probably a touchdown. Um, and so so... There's a lot of things that he he needs to improve on. Even even though he made a lot of plays, 
I thought he did some great things in pass pro tonight. Um, he, he's got to work, and, and I know he'll be sore, but that, that's college football, man. We're going to need him to play, and, and uh, there's there's no other thought other than doing our best and performing at our best and see what happens that game. But, uh, you know, Idaho State, they, they, they deserve all our respect. That in order for us to play this game and do it the right way, we like to play a sportsmanship in class, but we also want to respect our opponents and make sure that we show up at our best. This, it, it, I loved our guys, the way they played tonight, for the most part. If we can just keep respecting our opponents and seeing, I mean, it, they realized that this was an explosive offense and the defense stepped up, especially in the second half. Offense sh showed up the entire game. That's going to be the mindset is make sure that we get better from this week to, to next week, and it just happens to be Idaho State. Well, finally, Coach, now that you've gone through this week of Bronco Mendenhall's return to BYU and you've played the game, coached it, and won it, and seen Bronco and so many others, uh, 10 BYU guys really on, on that staff come to Provo, and, and you've had associations with some of them, some closer than others. Maybe just reflections on the week, the night, and, and how you hope that uh, Bronco and those guys um, head back home uh, with their thoughts of this, uh, of this return this evening. Yeah, just have a lot of appreciation and, and gratitude to Bronco and his staff for the things that they did here. Uh, I was able to share um, uh, those thoughts with him pregame and afterwards, but I'm just really proud that the fans showed him the respect that he deserves. And great man, it's it's it's. I think it's important for us to. to he represents the church and BYU the right way, and he happens to be out east and. Uh, I'm a big Virginia fan. I want to make sure I cheer for them in every game from here on out, uh, and, except for when we play them. I think uh, they're doing amazing things there. They're mentoring great uh, young men and, and building that program up to what, it's, what, what it is right now. And it takes that whole staff and all those, all those men and, and their families appreciate what they've done here, but more than anything, really appreciate what they're doing out there and how they're promoting the gospel of Christ and, 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 and good things and how they handle themselves and, uh, in the game of football. So it's great to support him and others that are of our faith and, uh, and, and really uh, cheer for their success. I think that's important for us to do. Best of both worlds for BYU fans. They got to acknowledge and recognize Bronco uh, for his 11 years as a head coach, 13 years of service, and great success that he had. And then they get to enjoy the product that uh, gets put on the field by you and your staff and your players every week and the great success that you've had as head coach. And so uh, Cougar fans are blessed, and we're blessed uh, to be able to work work with coaches like Bronco and you that help us out so much and get the message out to Cougar Nation and put such great football on the field. So our appreciation, as always, Kalani goes out to you and, and your guys, staffers and, and, and players, and uh, making our job so much fun to do. Well, I appreciate that, and, um, I mean, this is – BYU family is wonderful, and uh, uh, just the reason why this all works is because we have the best fans in the world. That's why it works. Uh, they're the ones that drive us. They're the ones that get the recognition that, that gets us to the Big 12 and, and gets us to, to what we've been able to accomplish. Uh, I am proud and honored to be a part of Cougar Nation as a fan. I just happen to be the head coach. I'm having as much fun as I can, but I hope the fans know that these players in this locker room and this coaching staff – uh, really love and appreciate all their support. Uh, looking forward to, to uh, performing and, and entertaining them next week as well. So love you, Cougar Nation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kalani. We'll let you rest your voice, get some sleep, and we'll see you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Go Cougs. 
All right, thank you, Kalani Sitake. We will come back with Cougar Nation now, and we'll begin the program, that portion of the program, by hearing from former BYU head coach and current Virginia head man Bronco Mendenhall. Bronco's words postgame are next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to the BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be a part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions to at Greg Rubel using hashtag BYUCNN. Let's head live to the Built Bar broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens, and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Roughly 58,000 fans were in attendance. BYU a winner over Virginia tonight, 66-49. to Our final score, BYU took a 21-0 lead early in this game, and the Cougars trailed at halftime. From going up 21-0 to being down 42-38 to at the break, and there was only, there were only, we will say, uh, 35 points scored between the two teams in the second half after an 80-point first half. All right, Bronco Mendenhall has returned to BYU and coached his first game against his old team, and the Cougars do win it by 17 tonight. Let's hear now from Bronco. Bronco's postgame comments, and our thanks to intern Trevor Rich for grabbing these comments from Bronco after tonight's game. It was also uh, There was also Zoom press conference uh, questions involved, so you might hear a little bit of uh, in-person, a little bit of Zoom stuff as well. Here we go. So I'm, I'm fortunate uh, to be the coach at Virginia. Really love my team. I thought they tried really hard. Uh, we didn't make enough plays to win today. Uh, a couple turnovers were ended up being the difference in the game as it was score for score for score for score for score. Um, we ended up turning the ball over three times. Uh, I don't think BYU did. Uh, they executed really well, and our offense was executing really, really well. Um, that ended up being the difference on a game like this where not many defensive stops were happening. Um, I'm grateful for um, and thankful for the the personal reception and um, yeah, and my return to BYU and for the fans and for that acknowledgement. Um, I'm grateful and appreciative. Um, BYU has a good football team. I'm excited about their future. Um, I'm also excited about ours. Um, as based on what uh, is happening in the Coastal Division. Um, so yeah, we control our destiny, and playing well and winning is, is really what, um, is what's at stake. So a bye week coming up um, with an injury to Brennan, and so that could reframe um, what we do during the bye week and getting our, our team not only healthy but a quarterback trained if Brennan is out. Um, and I don't know that yet. And so that's that's where we are. So I'll take questions now. Uh, Jay, I think you're first. Yeah, Coach, thank you uh, for your statement. Obviously very comprehensive in what you've covered. Um, from that, uh, the first is, could you talk about, you know, you took an early punch going down 21 to nothing and then responded with 42 points. Um, and that was connected to Brennan's leadership as we become accustomed to seeing. Can you just talk about that effort and that resiliency that you saw from your team? Yeah, we, uh, we had expected um, BYU, really, they start fast against a lot of different teams. Um, and they, they jumped out on us quickly. 
Um, but our team remained poised and composed, and our offense responded and went in with the lead at halftime. And yeah, that's tough to do. And so Brennan was right in the middle of all that and probably the primary reason. Coach, uh, last couple of things. Defensively, obviously in a game like this, it's back and forth. There's so much that's going on. Uh, you'll have a chance to review the tape, but but just from what you saw field level, uh, what were some of the things that BYU did that, that gave you trouble defensively well, About everything that they did. Um, so they're very physical, and so uh, we seldom had anyone beating a block and making a tackle. And if we did have an unblocked player, um, the running back number 25 was either running over or through or around. And, uh, and then the more players that were acknowledging or playing the run, then their matchups on the outside, they were effective throwing the ball downfield and catching it um, even into coverage. And so really not many matchups, not many one-on-ones were won anywhere uh, for our defense tonight. And so tribute BYU's plan and their offensive players. And yeah, they did a nice job. Final question for our radio network coach, and we'll, we'll leave it to everyone else. In an environment like this, um, Pack Stadium, against a quality football team, uh, what can you take from this to build for your football program moving forward with, with a great opportunity in front of you, as you stated earlier? Yeah, my team, um, they, they love to play football, and they love each other. And they're not perfect, and I'm not perfect, and, but they hang together, and they keep fighting, and they keep trying, and they keep fighting, and they keep trying. And even with all of our flaws collectively, they keep going, and I'm proud of them for that. And that's what I told them in the locker room after. I just... I'm appreciative of their effort and their, their um, just who they are, regardless of whether they're behind, way up, way down. They just keep going, which there are lots of work to do, but yeah, I'm proud of them for their effort. Thank you, Coach. Yep. Go to uh, Jeff White and then Gene Long. Bronco, you played from behind several times this year and found ways to win, but it seems like it puts an enormous amount of pressure on the offense when it's almost has to score every time, and then when there is a mistake, it's magnified like it was tonight. Uh, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's accurate. Our, our defense has to get more stops, has to play better um, from beginning to end. That, that has to happen, and especially when you go on the road, and especially when you play a good team, that just makes it even more critical. And so, and we didn't, and we need to. Robert, did you um, see what happened when Brennan's injury it looked like he was pointing to his ribs? Um, I saw um, on the last uh, interception, um, that's where he pointed. He might have been hurt before then, which is maybe, uh, I don't know when he got hurt um, or if it got hurt while he was throwing. So I don't know the mechanism or when, but once he threw that, that's when he was pointing. And, and so he might have been playing with it. Uh, I'm, I'm not certain. And on those interceptions, did you, was it a miscommunication? The I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, not on the last one. Um, early, he just didn't see the linebacker, uh, in the, the one early in the game. The one late, it might have just been where he couldn't put enough steam on it because of his ribs, but I'm speculating. Do you think the turnovers were ultimately the difference? I mean, each I do. team was going up and down the field. Yeah, I, I do. Um, and hard to, hard to say what for sure would have happened, but um, that's three chances for them to get the ball. and. Um, kind of a break and serve, I guess. Exactly, and they—they're uh, earned, right? So that it's not accidental. So I'll give them credit for that. But ultimately, yeah, either make the other team punt, or you take the ball away, or hold them to a field goal, and and the three turnovers certainly mattered. I um, noticed both Virginia and BYU have been pretty good about not turning over the ball and kind of being on the plus side. I know that's something BYU's got to roll on. Yeah, and they did tonight. Uh, Preston and Jim. 
Yeah, just defensively, you talked about it. They have to get more stops. And you talked all season. They've made progress each week. How Did this seem like a step back tonight? C certainly. Um, just because of the magnitude and and the momentum we're building and and really a, a cool stage to come play on and with a lot at stake um, and but it also gives us really clear feedback um, also how far away and in a game like this uh, BYU was the more physical team um, and they were the, uh, they made more plays really anytime they needed to um, and ultimately not being able to play the run effectively um, made it really difficult to add enough coverage to handle the wideouts and they they made some plays. I think Darius Bratton made some nice plays for us at corner. That was a bright spot. Um, we left him alone a lot, and he knocked down quite a few passes. So I was encouraged by that. But um, unblocked players trying to tackle 25, he made a difference and ran really, really well. And and then there's um, our defensive staff, right? They'll have to be better and continue to be better down the stretch. And yeah, they know that. Wex had another big game. He's been good all season, but he seems like he's kind of ramped it up the last couple of weeks. What, what's he doing maybe as the season progresses that he wasn't yeah. on? Just experience, right? So he works so hard and he's being trained really well. His position coach, Coach Hagens, is exceptional. And he's really skilled at developing people as well as players. And if someone's with him long enough, yeah, they just grow and mature and grow and mature and grow and mature. And that's all that's happening for it. really his first year of playing significant snaps. So he just keeps getting better, as really do most of our uh, our receivers. And that's a tribute to Coach Higgins. Brock, would you be able to share maybe some of the emotions that were going through your mind when you first stepped on the field as a visiting coach and you took that, you know, your customary lap around the field when you got here to the stadium? I, I don't know. It just, uh, yeah, flood of memories and just but really glad to be with my team. And it's a really unique experience to have spent 13 years someplace and then come back and yeah, mixed feelings. Mike Barber, Mike Barber I believe you have a question uh, from Zoom, so go right ahead. Yeah, Bronco, sorry to, to harp on the defense, but you guys have said it in recent weeks that uh, missed alignments, uh, missed assignments have been the problem. Tonight, there seemed to be uh, more missed tackles. Did you see that? And what could cause that? Oh yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, skilled, skilled players. Their running back, I think, is exceptional, and their offensive front, I think, is really physical. And um, they have a really good plan. And yeah, so we, we, in my opinion, that's the most physical team we've played the entire year. And it showed in us not getting enough blocks, not making tackles, and certainly not tackling anyone backwards. So rarely did we win first down. We were in a lot of second and fours, second and threes, second and twos. Right, and then there's shots downfield um, that we, we we made some plays on, but certainly not enough, and we really didn't have enough pressure on the quarterback to affect him as well. So, again, uh, much like our offense was for the majority of the game, uh, they were controlling the game and trading blows, and I saw it on both sides. Anyone else with questions? Okay, there's one in the back. Yeah. Coach, what was it like coming back, like hearing the crowd cheer for you, giving you an ovation before the game? Mm. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to have been the coach here. Um, so BYU is a really unique place, and and who you can select as the head football coach is a pretty small um, sliver of the world's population. <laughs> and so I was given a chance um, to learn, grow, and develop, and lead an amazing program. And 
to be to have been acknowledged. I was grateful. I'm appreciative, and that really allowed me to be considered for another school. And that wouldn't have happened without my start here. So, and I'm thankful for where I am now. So, just grateful. Thank you. Good. Thank you. All right, that is a Bronco Mendenhall, head coach of the Virginia Cavaliers. BYU 66, Virginia 49 is our final score. We'll come back. Greg Grubel, Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens back up in the booth. Cougar Nation now continues. Hashtag BYUCNN. If you want to reach out to us on Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN. You can also tweet at me directly, at Greg Grubel, or drop the emails for the long-form stuff. Cougar Nation now at BYU.edu is our email address. Cougar Nation now with two N's. Cougar Nation now at BYU.edu. We'll come back with more from Provo after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo, Utah, where BYU defeats Virginia by a score of 66-49. to UVA falls to 6-3. Their shot at getting into the top 25, at least this week, goes by the wayside. BYU was already ranked in the AP Top 25, just outside the coaches' top 25. They'll be in both top 25s tomorrow. The question becomes, gentlemen, are they in the first college football playoff top 25 on Tuesday? And I would say... If they're in the top 20 in the AP, they're going to clearly be in the college football playoff top 25 on Tuesday. They've played six P5s and defeated five of them so far to this point. They're playing a P5-type schedule, and I think they're going to be uh, uh, in the first ranking, and the question is how high can the Cougars get? They won't have a chance to impress a lot of voters the next week by playing an FCS team, but you'll expect to win it. You'll be 8-2. and two. Then you're off for a week. Teams will lose while you're not playing. And then you pick it back up. You go on the road, Georgia Southern. Again, not a real needle mover in terms of opponent, but it's a win. A win's a win. You find yourself now at 9-2 and two, going into L.A. on the final week of the regular season. And who knows how many other 9-2 and two or 8-2 and two or those types of teams are around that 10-15 to 15 mix in the, in the New Year's Six and the CFP uh, ranking. So the only way you have anything – or any kind of shot of being anywhere other than Shreveport on December 18th is by winning out and seeing what happens. Well, the Cougars took a big step toward the winning out today. This was a swing game. This is one of the games you have to get if you want to be a 10-win team or even be in the conversation, and they got it. They're going to win the next two games. It'll come down to USC to say how good was this team or is this team in terms of postseason consideration. And it's been a crazy enough year, Riley and Mitch, that you can't say it's silly to think about. Because you could have a ton of two-loss teams all kind of throwing resumes up against each other by the end of the year. You don't know. So to that point, Greg, 17th Pitt, 17th-ranked Pitt, 19th-ranked SMU, uh, 20th-ranked Penn State, 21st-ranked uh, San Diego State, and 22nd-ranked Iowa State all lost today. Talk about crazy year. And then two more. Yet Kentucky lost at 12. Who knows how far they'll slide. Iowa lost their second in a row and lost it and in bad And they've looked bad in losing. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. They lost it in bad fashion. Who knows how far their slide. So look, Ole Miss lost, too. There's, yeah, Ole Miss got beat by Auburn. Both of those teams were right. in front of uh, were in front of uh, BYU. Who, who knows how far they'll slide. Look, it, weeks so, sorry, four, go ahead, five, no, six, finish your thought. This just is great. Weeks four, five, and six, like you can move a lot, but to be in week nine and potentially sitting at 25 and potentially end up somewhere around like 
17, maybe even 16 is crazy. It's October 30th. Yeah. Okay, BYU plays USC on November 30th. Between now and then, BYU's not going to lose a game. Okay? Right. Other teams will. A lot of other teams will lose one and two more games. Cougars are going to sit there with two losses for a month. Okay? And you're going to continue in the box score to put up hopefully 40, 50, 60 points, even though you're playing lesser opponents. Yeah. So so you check that they've, box. They've meaning done you what won't they slide. can do. They've yeah. done what they can do. Yeah. The Virginia game was big. Yeah, they allowed 49. They scored 66. Again, no one has scored or, or no one's put up 700 yards against a P5 team all year until BYU did it tonight. It's a big number. And 66, Ohio State scored 66 against Maryland. Texas had 70 against Texas Tech. Those are the only two games this year in which a P5 allowed 66 or more besides this one here tonight. So yeah. they did their job. They're not going to lose in the next four weeks. They're going to go a month without a loss okay? until the USC game and who knows what happens that night. And during that time, things are going to happen. It's already been crazy. I'm just saying, we all know they're set for Shreveport and a lot will have to happen to take them out of it, but things do happen. We just heard from Bronco in the previous segment. He always said it took, it would take back-to-back seasons in order to break into the New Year's Six. Obviously, that was prior to the college football playoff and back when I was playing for two years. But one of the things that is encouraging for something to happen outside of Shreveport is you had last year's resort at 11-1. and You follow up 11-1 and with 10-2 and regular season. With this season. schedule. There were, there were no P5s yeah. last year. Well, that is funny. My shout-out to my brother-in-law, uh, Tyler Andre in Washington, texted me that you know if you weren't sure about Tyler Algier's stat line, against, uh, you know, it, not their fault, but uh, against a schedule that pales in comparison to this. Well, he's come in and through eight games, already surpassed all of his numbers from last year against incredibly more difficult opponents. So, mm-hmm. Lopa Leotau has said it multiple times. This team is for real. They felt bad last They knew they were for real last year, but their schedule just didn't give the opportunity for everybody to give them the credit they deserve. This year, they've earned it unquestionably. And, and imagine being a one-loss team that's not going to lose for the next four weeks. Those four turnovers against Boise <laughs> are the only thing standing between BYU and a one-loss season right now. It's the weirdest confluence of events. Again, they outgained Boise by two yards per play that day. They did everything they needed to do except hang on to the football. And it's been a one-game problem. It's been a one-game problem. Here's a question for you guys and maybe for our listeners to chime in uh, on, on Twitter or on social media. Would you trade – what's – <laughs> Would you trade that loss for a P5? Like, what? what's weighted more, a, a G5 loss against you or a P5 win for you? Because you just mentioned they're 5-1 and one versus P5 opponents. Would you trade one of those to not have lost to a G5 team, especially a Boise team that's sitting well, at 500? Well, I, I don't know. Not if you're going to have two losses either way. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I to me, I'd take the five win. I'd I'd take the five wins because Boise, even though they're five hundred this year, at least in the minds of voters, they still carry certain credibility, right? There's we all know, ca- yeah, and they and they always have. Yeah, we all know how lazy you can lose to Boise. Yeah, and even though it's not Boise's best year, it's not a true quote unquote bad loss, right? Because it's Boise. Yep. And by the way, Boise uh, did go ahead and win tonight. They uh, defeated Colorado State 28-19. to Thanks to any Aggie fans listening out there. They won again today. They're sitting atop their division and now tied for the overall Mountain West Conference lead. So that's, uh, you know, way, that's proven to be a better win. The way this whole year is going, I don't think it's going to be crazy um, to, to, to consider a two-loss BYU team, if they stay a two-loss team by beating USC at the end of the year, I don't think it's crazy to consider a two-loss team in the mix with the other two-loss teams 
from P5 conferences because BYU will have played a P5-like schedule. And if they keep playing this brand of football, yeah, I mean, it's super exciting. you got Tyler Algier, who is just – He's earning all sort. He's gaining all sorts of attention and, and national kudos. And as far as the product, why would you not? Yeah. What I won't like is if they come close but not quite. Yeah. Whereas last year it might be a Dax Milne yard away from being undefeated at Coastal, and this year it might be a fumble at the wrong time mm. to keep you away from one lost season this year. A lot of football left to play, and the call seems no joke against USC to end the year. No one's counting that game yet, but I'm fairly confident in saying between October 30th and November 29th. BYU won't lose again, and a lot of others will. Yep. Let's see where this thing goes. It's just, uh, and again, we're I, I've kind of started the discussion by looking kind of long range <laughs> instead of maybe refocusing on what BYU did tonight. And Mitch, you were down there for uh, this entire evening and had had to watch the uh, this thing go up and down the field. We've never called a game like this, the three of us together. This was this was truly a, a one of a kind contest. Yeah. So being down on the sideline, you know, I I get to go up and down the field. Um, usually with the team, and today I, I fix it after the first quarter because typically what happens is let's say, you know, um, a team will kick off. I'll go on the side of where they receive the ball, and um, but it was after the first quarter where I realized I'm on the wrong side because the team I know that the offense is going to bring the ball down really quickly. So instead of me having to miss half of it just walking across. Um, I started going to the opposite side, knowing that the offense would drive all the way down, whether it was Virginia or BYU. Um, it was just, I mean, it was a fun game to be a part of. Obviously a little bit stressful there because, you know, you want BYU to come out on top. But from an entertainment perspective, this was some fun football. This was some fast-paced. A lot of people, you know, fans love offense. Um, it, it, it's just, it, it's it's entertaining and and. Um, some of the key players for BYU. I mean, we talked about them. The Nakua's, um, they just bring a spark. Tyler's one of a kind. Um, I mean, there's so many players. And just to highlight a couple of them, th- these three receivers, Samson, Puka, and Neil, um, these are big bodies who are so good after they catch the ball. There are a number of times when y- you can just y- – you put them on a hitch or just throw them the ball, you need eight yards. They always make the first guy miss, it seems. Um, there's just, I mean, there's so many weapons on this offense, um, and, and they were in full force tonight. Uh, just some fun football to watch, um, and it's so much more satisfying coming away with a victory um, as a fan um, with so much potential. It, 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 we, have, we can have these conversations about what's going to happen in the next month um, because, uh, you know, of the, the caliber of a win that happened tonight. So just fun. Virginia never had a lead larger than four points. The Cougars were always within a score. As crazy as things got with Virginia scoring the way it did, BYU was right there in that the 21 nothing lead came in really handy. Uh, Virginia had a lot of work to do just to get even and then pull ahead with BYU, and the Cougars were only a score away. And, uh, you know, let's not forget BYU – Opened the game on a 21 nothing run and closed the game on a 21 nothing run. Really impressive. I, I It was one of my keys to the game, knowing that they were going to have to, because, and or sorry, and Mendenhall said it, this team, we knew they were going to start fast. So while as exciting as that was, that wasn't something we really hadn't seen. But I would say what we haven't seen, we've seen them be able to close out games, but it's more kind of a grind it, wrestle it out. But the exclamation point of a 21-point fourth quarter 
was, uh, and also the two fourth quarter turnovers that were so timely and big. Uh, the, it's those kind of fourth quarter performances that are further validation this team is legitimate. Well, Just, and, sorry, go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, one thing to add on that: when you look at a shootout, right? Um, turnovers will win the game. Um, and just if you can give your offense more opportunities than their offense, then you win the game. And so, yeah, those fourth quarter turnovers were huge. It solidified this victory for BYU, and um, really cool to see the defense bounce back after getting scored on 42 points in the first half. They made incredible adjustments, made the big plays in the second half. Seven points, second half. Yeah, I- I- incredible. So. Let's review Riley Nelson's keys to the game, by the way. We, go, we, we hear them in the pregame. We rarely go back to them in the postgame. So these are your three keys. We'll probably say you went one for three tonight on this. We'll see what you think on this. Uh, your first key was fourth quarter big plays. Got it. That, that, that's a check mark right there. 21 nothing fourth quarter sealed the deal. Number two, score a non-offensive TD. That didn't happen. But close, because Peyton on the Logar. first interception, yep, yeah. Got down to the 11. And it was three plays and 11 yards Right, later. so almost, a, so but, a half uh, point there. And if you remember, I did qualify it, but anyway, I'll take it. That one is a, uh, that one was Fielder's Choice, so okay. I'm still one for two. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I'm going to say one and a half for two on that one. Uh, and then your last one was tackle. Make sure you tackle. Yeah. And that was kind of hit and miss category. Well, it uh, definitely was not there in the first half, especially the second quarter. But it, Kalani talked about it was uh, to Coach Tuiaki in the second half decided we got – when he said – so for all our listeners out there, when he says in a press conference, get more eyes on the quarterback, that means – play zone, and drop seven or eight every play. So you've got more guys watching the quarterback playing zones as opposed to when guys don't have eyes on the quarterback, well, where are their eyes? On their man, they're in man coverage. So we saw in the second half uh, do that, and they were able to keep them in front of them and produce another uh, interception. So, yeah, still a little bit left to be wanting. But they did, uh, obviously, only allowing seven points in the second half after a 35-point second quarter, a seven-point second half. They did better at tackling even though there is still room for improvement. Uh, From Twitter, on that note, uh, Brian Blanche says, most will be disappointed in the defensive performance. Points are what really matters, and they held Virginia to a season-low second-half total of seven points. From Lauren on hashtag BYUCNN via Twitter, how amazing it must have been for Tyler Algier to hear the crowd chanting his name. The guy had a monster game. What do you think his professional prospects are? And do you think there's a chance he completes all of his eligibility or does he move to the next level sooner from a purely selfish standpoint, but also having seen maybe um, uh, players before not get to where they want to be relative to prospects? I'd love to see Tyler play one more season here. Um, and I'm not asking for more than one, but one more season here. He can do it. He's got eligibility remaining. Um, you know, I think you're only talking about the fear of injury at that point. And he's been a workhorse. Like, he's not missed time this year. He's been out there for pretty much every needed snap. Uh, but he could, you know, set himself up as, you know, one of the greatest, you know, statistical running backs in BYU football history with one more full season of football. And it's a great schedule. And um, I'd like to see him back for one year. I think there will be buzz about him being an NFL guy as soon as next year. But I think I have probably, you know, it's it's almost too biased for me to, to say, you know, what he should or should not do. I just want to see him here back doing more, running more football next year. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see the, the conversations he has. He, I, I guarantee you Tyler's going to have um, a lot of conversations with Kalani, with the staff. 
Um, and we'll see which way it goes. You know, at the end of the day, Kalani obviously wants the best for his team, but he also wants the best for um, his players. Um, but even a guy like Tyler, it doesn't necessarily mean that going to the NFL next year means that that's best for him. Um, and so, uh, I mean, you can you can guarantee that he's going to have um, a, a number of conversations. It's not going to be Tyler's decision alone. Um, he'll consult with his family, consult with uh, the coaches, and, and make the decision that's best for him, um, which right now I think it's a toss-up. I don't think it's a lock that he's going to the NFL. I think... Um, there, there's a lot of things to consider and, and bright future for BYU as well. Um, so we'll see. Do you both think he's a, a next-level running back, an NFL player? Uh, I do. Just For me, it's the speed, right? He's obviously got the physicality, but he's proving that <laughs> how he many is DBs? so fast. I know. How many DBs does he outrun it's, their angles? It's comical. It's amazing. I mean, the, this, is a, this is a player that is uh, – I mean, you always knew he was, he was a physical freak, and – he can, I mean, so many, you know, Bronco talked about it, right? They struggled to tackle, but it was because Tyler's just so good. You cannot, um, you do not win one-on-one matchups with him, but the fact that he has the speed that he has, um, that's the type of NFL, you know, those are the types of backs that are successful in the, in the NFL. He's got, I mean, multiple ways to succeed. So it's uh, the, the speed is the thing that's kind of, making me believe that he's going to be an NFL guy. Is there a current or former NFL comp that comes to mind when you think of Tyler Algier and and running backs that were or are out there in the National Football League? And I haven't given it a lot of thought myself, but I just wondered if there's somebody that comes to mind where you go, oh, yeah, he reminds me of – Well, see, here's what's hard is – there's one feature running back in the entire NFL, and it's Derrick Henry, and he's not Derrick Henry. I mean, no, no discredit to Tyler Algier, but no one is. Ty- no. Derrick Henry's a he's a transformer freak. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so that see, that's what's hard for me is where. Uh, well, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott kind of he's a little bit bigger than Ezekiel, but they kind of have that same body type, and that Zeke is a you know Zeke's a really strong runner, but he's good laterally, and when he how gets big out is the open Jonathan field, Taylor? Because he's yeah. an up and comer. He's I mean he's young, so he's got a lot of improvement. I mean he's gonna he's gonna improve in the NFL, but he's a I feel like he's a big back, yeah. and he's fast. I haven't watched him as much in the NFL, but him at Washington, it's just or sorry at Wisconsin. I mean yeah, yeah. yeah, those Wisconsin guys, they it's such a different system than what Tyler's playing, and it, it, it's hard for a comp. But I hope he gets the best. It's just it, it's a hard world to be in as a running back because the position uh, just is so different at the next level. Yeah, and it spits you up, and yeah. it's it's hard for guys to star for more than a couple of three years at a time, which makes what Derrick Henry's doing pretty remarkable because he never leaves the field, and um, and which is why he should stay here and and star as much as he can. NIL guys, this is there we go. This yeah. is great. I mean, he's gonna who knows what his earning potential is next year. It might be an and so when you look ahead at the absolute, you know gauntlet that is playing running back at the next level and your ability to make some really good money here it might cause him to stay a, a year or two extra back to the twitter and hashtag byucnn you kind of hit this riley maybe expand a bit more on it if you think you need to at uh, chaplain schumann says hearing kalani describe the defensive adjustments was very satisfying talking about rotating more guys and dropping eight and considering the big second quarter by Virginia, it made sense. Your thoughts, he says. And before you answer that, I'll follow it up with a tweet coming into me from Cougar Stats, at Cougar Stats, who says, Virginia had 367 yards in the second quarter alone, 
and 221 in the other three quarters combined. And he said, that's just a crazy outburst. And that's what that was a second quarter for the ages. Every touchdown scored was under, you know, two minutes. And 35 points came in one quarter. And I tweeted this out too, but the last time that Bronco coached for BYU, the BYU opponent scored 35 in the first quarter. And the first time Bronco coaches against BYU, the BYU opponent scored 35 in the second quarter. Of course, the, the first quarter game was the Las Vegas Bowl in uh, 2015. Anyway, back to the original thought about, uh, bo- first of all, the defensive uh, changes. Well, and I'll try and be quick about this, Greg, but what that, te- what that stat and, and the thing tells me. So on our flight back from um, Spokane, I watched on the plane. There's a documentary called The Kings, and about the it's about four boxes in the 80s. It's Tommy Hearns, Marvin Hagler. Um, oh, who's the Panamanian Sugar Ray guy? Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard. And, and Roberto Duran. Roberto Duran, okay? So Hearns, if you haven't watched this, you got to go and watch Hearns Hagler the first round. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But that fight is a microcosm of the game here today. It, you had to, as long as you survived that first round, then you get back and box. That's what happened. It didn't, it didn't take place in the first round. It took place in the second round, or rather the second quarter here in this game. But BYU was still standing after taking every punch that uh, Virginia had. And not only were they still standing, they still had their wits about them enough to make strategic changes that changed the, com- the complete course and, and uh, complexion of this ball game, and so kudos to them, kudos to the staff for being able to identify and set the strategy, and kudos to the player for executing. Mitch, any thoughts on that? Um, no, um, I, I do have a, a thought on Jaron Hall. We haven't really talked on about Jaron yet. Is that okay? Please. So, three balls, real quick, that he threw. I thought incredibly. Um, the touchdown to Puka, put it in the perfect spot. Only Puka could make a play on it. Um, he did beat his guy pretty good, but still, I mean, you you got to throw the right ball where there was no um, contest there. The touchdown to Sampson, same situation, um, but that uh, that Keanu Hill back shoulder was the was stutter go it, back shoulder in, incredible, right? The uh, I mean, the DB played some good defense on it, right? Um, and and so w- we haven't talked much about Jaron, but I think he deserves a lot of credit after today. I mean, the the links uh, of improvement we've seen him make from coming back from the injury has been fabulous. And those three throws in particular, this these are you know professional throws by Jaron that we really haven't seen much of. He's missed um, that back shoulder throw on at yeah. least four occasions that I can remember, but tonight he's so yeah. to your point of improvement. He he was dialed, and so I I think I mean big shout out to Jaron. I thought he played managed this game incredibly well. You don't score sixty six points without a productive and effective quarterback. Um, Let yeah. me just pile on quickly to that. He is protecting the football while still get, being able to get complete. Normally, it's a trade off. Like even Armstrong, right? Armstrong he's not he's not a no interception guys, but so. Normally, you kind of got to take the good with the bad, right? If a guy's going to get you a lot of chunks and a guy's going to be really dangerous in the pass game, he's going to turn the ball over once in a while. What Jaron has managed to do in this stretch back from his injury and even prior to his injury is protect the football and still be aggressive in making plays down the field. So kudos to him. Nate Lawler on Twitter touched on what Mitch just brought up. He said, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on Armstrong's injury and then Jaron's health, given his playing career and managing injuries, he said Jaron seemed to have more zip on his throws tonight, and he uses the back shoulder to Keanu as an example. And so Mitch described it really well. Uh, we'll kick it to you, Riley, for thoughts on how maybe 
Um, you see week by week the injury he's been dealing with has healed and or what Brennan Armstrong was dealing with when he left the well, game Well, you tonight. mentioned you got to take the, the good with the bad. I believe it was in the second quarter uh, after the holding call on the third down. Had he sacrificed his body a little bit, uh, he could have got that third down. Instead, they punt it. But he's he's reached a level of maturity that I never did as a player, and that's live to play another down, live to play another series. And uh, case in point, maybe he he dives for it, he gets the first down, but instead he takes a shot to his ribs. And so when it comes time to after halftime in the third quarter to make that throw to Keanu Hill, he doesn't have the juice, you know, there to it. So he's been able to just have makes such great decisions not just in protecting the football but decisions in how to protect himself and uh and still be able to keep the offense moving down the field he's playing at elite level and i i gotta be honest for a quarterback at byu uh, tyler algier is so great that he's been able to play so well without normally when you're playing everybody's piling on and everybody wants a piece but because tyler algier is doing what he's doing it, it's uh, the spotlight isn't quite as bright on him, which is always a nice luxury to have because uh, he can uh, he can just be out there and, and make plays and not have to deal with the mobs, uh, positive mobs, right, that are out there wanting a piece of him. David Barney on the email using Cougar Nation now at byu.edu. He says, shout out to Coach Guilford and the coaching staff for the talent they are recruiting and developing in the defensive secondary. It seems more than many times in the past, the Cougs are getting some real depth with athletic players, and it's exciting to see the corners blanket receivers and contest passes when playing man. Uh, can Riley and Mitchell explain how receivers are taught to find holes in a zone and how a defender is trying to tighten up and limit those holes? Thanks from Dave. David Barney. Go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, so um, as a receiver, to find the holes, I mean, Typically, it's in zone coverage, right? And so, in, in man, you're just you just got to win a one-on-one battle. Um, but to find those holes, that, honestly, and, and I think Riley's talked about this. He he, you like to talk about um, is it Dennis Pena, mm-hmm. who who had an incredible feel for just um, it, it's a feel thing, right? Um, being aware first off of of what type of coverage there is. Um, and, and the being on the same page with the quarterback where, you know, there's always going to be holes in zone coverage and it, it takes repetition. It takes a lot of, um, you know, good sync with the quarterback to understand where those holes are and where you can, you know, it's as simple as, you know, running a 10 yard hitch route or, or choice route and knowing whether the drift out drift in, depending on where the, the defender is flowing, right. To almost, if he's flowing outside, then you, you bend inside to kind of counter um, where he's going. And so it, it's just a feel thing. You start to, the more reps you take, the the more you can understand where those holes are on specific plays and against specific coverages. Um, guys don't get good at this. As soon as they step on the field, it takes a lot of work. And so you see them progress as they, um, as they mature as a player. But uh, that's Kind of how I always read it. This is why my receivers would give me blank stares because Mitch is like, it's a feel thing. It is. It's a reps and a feel thing. I tried to make it like a formulaic thing. For example, you have to know, you have to have pre-step identification, right? You have to be able to first know, is it zone or man? Okay, if now it's zone, what is it? Is it, uh, is it a two-shell, three-shell, or four-shell, right? So, And then if it's a two, three, or four, what's the underneath coverage? Is it zone blitz or is it base? Is it based underneath coverage? And then from there, do I have an in-breaking route or an out-breaking route? For example, on a basic curl route, I think everybody understands a curl or a dig. 
It's an in-breaking route from an outside receiver. The key, if you want to optimize it for a quarterback, you have to. So you're going to have a defender outside of you. You want to run your route so that he's tighter on your back than the inside defender. Because if you if you come running a big looping curl, you're shortening your window by moving into that what's called the hook to girl defender or who's inside. So you want to curl tight around it because the defender on your back, you can defend against him using your body. Whereas if you are running your route into a window from the inside, you're bringing that guy into a play and you can't use your body to defend against him making a play. Similarly, on a corner route, right, is it cover two so I keep it high and I keep that safety on my back or do I come out of my break and I see there, that the corners drop to his deep third and so I have to bend it and throttle down so I don't, you know, go sprinting out to the sideline. I would go through these old big things with my wide receivers and, like, get blank stares. So, well, it is it is like what Mitch <laughs> said. You got to – so, like, I, I, I love it and that's how you got to – let me – but here's – so it, it is a feel thing. It is a rep thing. Let me say from – the quarterback also uh, plays a big role in this, especially when it is a true, like you said, like a sticks or an option route where the guy's just kind of doing his best. And then you have to, and Jaron is de- not to bring it always back to the quarterback, but we just talked about Jaron's exceptional play. We've seen it again, and we've seen it in his passing game against zone, throwing guys to shoulders, throwing guys within windows. Uh, guys typically, you typically have about a five foot catch radius outside the center of their body, right? Which means that's essentially them being able to. To lunge out or step and reach and still make a catch depending on where they are within the windows because you they don't always get to see I mentioned putting a defender on their back they don't get to see always who's behind them who's in front of them who's to the side they might have a feel as Mitch said and they might have they might be able to see maybe one guys but typically any window there is a primary defender and two awareness defenders so you as a quarterback are trying to triangulate that window within based on and so hopefully you're on the same page that he's running his route the way that you like and but even at that you have to be able to throw him within that case within that that window and in his catch radius to give him the most uh, successful chance at coming up with a completion. There's your answer, David Barney. Thanks for the uh, for the email. Uh, Tim emails Cougar Nation now at byu.edu. Hey guys, what about an all-out Heisman campaign for Tyler next year? See, if he comes back, right? Then you can do that. Then you can then you can actually get something together and campaign for the guy at that point. And uh, I mean, it's not a small thing that if he came back and. And rush for a thousand yards again. He'd be only the second BYU player with Harvey Yunga to have three separate 1,000-yard rushing seasons. As it stands right now, he's one of five guys to have multiple thousand-yard campaigns. But that'd be kind of fun to do or get behind for sure. Um, shout out to uh, to Reed John Fuller on Twitter who says, "Thank you, Greg and Riley and Mitch for the uh, for the broadcast, the great broadcast. I'm a season ticket holder of 30 years, but I'm stuck in a hotel room in Qatar." Or cutter, as some like to say, because of COVID. I can't get home for another two weeks. I look forward to next week. And presumably that means to listen to the broadcast next week. Well, we're really glad that you uh, stuck with us there, and we were glad to bring it to you. Thank you for uh, for tweeting us out tonight. Hashtag BYUCNN. Coming in from Jake Brandon. Uh, Jake underscore Brandon. Hashtag BYUCNN. He says, uh, can we get a shout-out and your thoughts on the BYU O-line? He thinks Blake Freeland really balled out and played particularly well. O-line thoughts from you guys. I mean, the whole offensive line, I think I even said this halfway um, at some time during the broadcast. Um, they lose James Empey um, 
they didn't have him for the second half of the Washington State game, and they came out and, and dominated behind Connor Pay. Um, today, Connor Pay took on another task to to lead the offensive line group and and did a phenomenal job. Right, you don't rush for almost 400 yards with uh, an offensive line that's not dominating. Um, and yeah, so 100% agree. Hats uh, tip my cap to the offensive line. They're really um, bringing, you know, setting the tone for the whole offense and making it possible, making Jaron's job as, as easy as, as they can make it for him. So, Just you tweeted it, and, and uh, I think it's always telling when the opposing coaches, because they don't like to admit it freely, that they got out physical. Uh, we saw that with, with Coach Whittingham earlier, in, and Mendenhall said that again tonight, that uh, this BYU offensive front was the mo- and team was the most physical team that they play, and I think that's the highest compliment you can pay those guys. Compliment to you guys from at Chaplain Schumann, who says, great color commentary from Mitch about running to the opposite end of the field to keep up with the offenses, and from Riley on the boxing illustration. He said, this is why I'm still up at 4 a.m., when I said I was going to bed hours ago, well done, gents. And that comes in from our man. So good to have him with us at all times. Uh, Joshua Redfern said that the ESPN sideline reporter uh, said Armstrong apologized to his team for not sliding on the play he got hurt. He said it's similar to what you were saying about uh, Jaron Hall doing well tonight. Yeah, I mean, the best availability, the best ability is availability, especially for a quarterback. Okay, uh, before the break, should we give our, uh, our trivia question out for uh, two half gallons of uh, famous creamery ice cream? Let's do it. Let's do that. All right, we've got one more segment of the show, but before we get to the break, let's give you the question, the correct answer to which will win two half gallons of famous BYU creamery ice cream. All you have to do to be eligible for the win is to use the hashtag BYUCNN and give us both parts of this two-part question. Here's the question. Tyler Algier tonight tied the BYU single-game record with five touchdowns. They were all rushing touchdowns. Five touchdowns is the BYU record. Who was the last BYU player to score five TDs in a game and against which opponent? The player and the opponent, last BYU player, and the team he played when he last scored five touchdowns in a game. The last player to do it before, Tyler Algier tonight. That's our question. Hashtag BYUCNN. The first answer on my timeline wins the ice cream. Back after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, so welcome back to the broadcast. Uh, tons of correct answers flooding in to our uh, for the uh, with the answer to our skill testing trivia question. Last BYU player with five touchdowns and the opponent. And we're going to have to go with, uh, with Brian Blanche. He was already on the program earlier with a comment. Now he gets in the program with a win. Uh, Jamal Williams, Toledo. That is correct. Jamal Williams, five touchdowns against Toledo in 2016. Prior to tonight, that game set the record for most combined points at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, 108. Tonight it went to 115. So congrats to you, Brian Blanche. I'll be uh, getting into your DMs with uh, information request. And you can get back to me, and we will get you your two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream. So BYU defeats Virginia tonight by a final score of 66-49. to BYU goes to 7-2. Next week, it'll be Idaho State, then a bye week, then Georgia Southern, and then USC. Uh, Georgia Southern, one of the uh, uh, lowest-ranked teams in the FBS, struggling this year. 
Idaho State's an FCS team. BYU's never lost to an FCS and usually doubles them up and then summons scoring. And so uh, one significant challenge remains, and it's at the Coliseum in late November. We shall see what happens in the rest of the world of college football between now and then, and if BYU ends up in the mix for some kind of interesting postseason discussion, whereas right now they are targeted for the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. The conference targeted to face BYU is a conference basically dissolving before our eyes right now. Conference USA is losing members um, in this realignment, latest realignment shift, and that's the league uh, that provides the opposition for BYU in the Independence Bowl. Uh, email coming in from Kelly tonight. Uh, he, uh, uh, Kelly says, thanks for welcoming back Bronco and the staff. Very classy, and I think that uh, Bronco laid a great foundation for Kalani to build on. Kelly says, I love thinking about the current younger brothers of some who played for Bronco, like Butch, Pau, Neil Pau, uh, Kai Nakua with uh, Samson and uh, and Puka. There was also Isaiah uh, Nakua, Jaron Hall's older brother, KJ, and, of course, his dad. Uh, all in the family, says uh, Kelly Dixon. Uh, so thank you for the email. Nice reminder of all the family ties. I think we have 17 sets of or 17 sons of BYU fathers and, of course, there are three sets of brothers playing with each other, and we had two brothers go for 100 yards receiving tonight. Those are some pretty cool family ties. And uh, and the Nakua family name is, has uh, been pretty prominent at BYU for the last decade here with all those guys. And one uh, just quick thing, how fun is Samson on the headset? Quite. He's he's a fun interview. Yes, so. indeed. <laughs> yeah, we, we had him on the coaches' show a couple weeks back, and it was a trip he and uh, – and Puka. And we should, you know, note that you were part of a brother team here at BYU yep. too. Yep. It was Garrett always – now, did he go back and forth sides of the ball or was he always defense? He was uh, He was always defense until senior year and then he switched yeah. and to offense. Did you guys ever have a snap together? I don't know. Play together? Special teams maybe? I don't think so. Uh, a snap, yes. Uh, special teams, yes. On offense, no, senior year. I don't think so. So not on the Maybe field, on do. offense at the same time, at least. No. Okay. But, yeah, I can speak to playing with a brother. That's uh, It's it's special. It's fun being out there. And we've got right now, BYU has two uh, Barringtons on the offensive line together. You had two Nakuas lining up side-by-side uh, side, uh, with each other. And it's unlikely, uh, at least for a little bit, that we're going to see Baylor and Gunner uh, together. But they've been together, obviously. And uh, I think it was you that was asking. I, want, I wanted the trifecta, but it's <laughs> You want all three sets of brothers yeah. on the field at the same time, and you didn't think that happened uh, in the in the chance that it uh, was able to happen. Didn't when would happen. KJ's uh, eligibility have run out? Yeah, he left a little early, it felt yeah, like. He yeah, did. yeah, he did. Anyway, I, that would have that would have been four brothers. One. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Question coming in uh, from uh, Aerobic Jim. How do people still realize BYU gets nothing for being the highest-ranked non-P5? Uh, yeah, in all of our discussions, you know, it, it, it maybe bears reiterating, BYU's not part, nor have we ever thought BYU's part of the G5 rider. They're not, you know, they're not one of the highest-ranked G5s. That's not their deal. They have to be a true at-large to be in any kind of discussion. And it also bears noting, too, that if Cincinnati were to make the playoff, that would that would take up the spot. The G5 doesn't get into the rest of the New Year's Six with their typical spot. So if, a, if the highest-ranked G5 ends up in the playoff, that's their spot. They don't get another one. And then you are back to true, true at-larges at that point. Right. The Is it Wake Forest? They're still undefeated? Yeah. They were going into today. Did they win tonight? They did. Oh, yeah, they, they, did, they crushed yeah. Duke, right? Yeah they, yeah. yeah, they killed Duke. Who do they have left on the schedule? 
I would have to do a little bit of work on that. Shouldn't take hmm. me too long. Um, you're asking about Wake Forest? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what Wake has. So Wake uh, beat Duke today 45-7. Virginia beat Duke 48 nothing. by the way. So Wake has um, – they're at UNC next week. They're home to Wake Forest. Uh, rather, they're home to NC State the week after that. Then they're at Clemson and at BC. Those are uh, – those three, North Carolina, North Carolina State and Clemson, uh, I mean – that's a North Carolina. I mean, they battled slate. with Notre Dame today. Yeah, it was 40. No, North Carolina can throw yeah. up a bunch of points. North Carolina State it was ranked as high as ten to, at, at some point this season, yeah. and then Clemson's playing better. Yeah. So. Okay, that's the answer on uh, on Wake Forest, but um, yeah, the the overall New Year's Six discussion is contingent upon uh, a whole bunch of teams losing a whole bunch of games between now and then. We need a lot of help, but, hey, if the Braves can make the – sorry, Mitch. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but if the Braves can make the playoffs after where they were at with the All-Star break and now be up 3-1 in the World Series, uh, anything can happen. Well, we've been on the air uh, almost eight and a half hours, one of our longer <laughs> broadcast days. But, you know, when, when everyone's scoring touchdowns and so many balls were in the air the way they were and the way it was going, it was going to be a long night. But it was a long night. Uh, eight hours and 25 minutes into this night, we're going to call it good. Sign off for the night. Uh, say uh, good night to you all and welcome you back with us next Saturday. It'll be an afternoon game, 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time pregame, 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time kick. It was originally set for a 1 p.m. kick. It has gone to 1.30. Just keep that in mind. So uh, let's wrap up our night reminding you of the final score. First of all, 66-49, BYU over Virginia. Our thanks to the crew. Our stats interns tonight were Sam Cowart and Rex Moss. Great work from them. Our broadcast intern at BYU Radio was Bryce Noakes. We also had intern Trevor coming over to the stadium and getting our postgame interview with Bronco Mendenhall tonight. Our coordinating producer at BYU Radio is Terry South. Our control board operators were Corbin Radford and Andrew Hare. Tonight, our thanks to the BYU administration at BYU Radio, Don Shaline, Dane Craig, and Sean O'Neill. Our engineers, Sean Fay and Barry Squires. Sean Fay was in the building, and Barry Squires was both at Cougar Canyon and back at the BYU Broadcasting Building today. Thanks to Ben Bagley, our studio host, Pinch hitting for Jason Shepard. Jason was on the road with BYU Women's Soccer today, and they lost a tough one at Santa Clara. Uh, 1-0 late goal, and that was a drag for Jen Rockwood's team. They'll have two games this week with which to secure a conference championship. Thanks to Ben uh, for sitting in for Jason today. Safe travels as Jason's already back in town. Good to have Jason on the road with soccer today. Our statistician, Ralph Sokolowski. Our spotter, McKay Perry. Our engineer in the booth, Michael Wimmer. And uh, who else do we have? Just the headset guys at that point? All right. That just leaves the guys uh, on the air. So the man to my right. Mitchell Jurgens, And the man to my left. Riley Nelson. And for those guys, my name is Greg Rubel. Thanking you for tuning in to BYU football. Big win, wild night, 66-49. BYU over UVA. The Cougs go 2-7-2. and two. Let's see where the Cougars end up in the polls tomorrow. And the big poll on Tuesday. We've got coordinators corner Monday morning. BYU football with Kalani Sitake Tuesday night and the next BYU football game next Saturday afternoon. That'll do it once again. So in the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night and so long from Provo, Utah. You have been listening to live coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Coverage of today's game has been brought to you by... 
Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. BYU Football is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Special thanks to BYU President Kevin Worthen, Vice President Keith Vorkink, Athletic Director Tom Homo, and Associate Athletic Director of Corporate Sponsorships, Casey Stoffer. BYU Football is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network.